Welcome to the Broom Your Biz podcast, a podcast for the movers, the shakers, and even bigger action takers in business. I'm your host, Sonia McIntyre-Reed, and each week I'll be exploring the question of what really makes businesses and organizations thrive. I'm on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire business owners and myself along the way. Today, I am joined by Angie, who has a business called Fit AF. Angie, you actually have a couple of names for your business. What are you going under at the moment? Yeah, I've been a little bit slack with um, social media, and I did have some, with uh, bringing it all in line, I did have some problems with Facebook. Um, I originally started out as a MetaFit coach, and I grabbed that name for my um, business in the town that I'm in, Musselbrook, early on in the piece. And then as my business expanded and my offerings expanded, I wanted to change the name to something that encompassed everything that I do, and I had massive back and forth with Facebook they would not let me change the name so I haven't brought everything else into line with that I'm a little bit probably that's um a little bit disturbing to someone like yourself but I know I know (laughs) that it's on my to-do list to get it done I'm just a bit casual about stuff like no that's all right look now I know that I can help you with that I know the tricks to changing those names on Facebook so what banner are you going under at the moment like officially Um, we are Fidea I think we are today, yes. Great. I love it. And um, (laughs) if you are listening to this and we haven't managed to change the name on Facebook yet, I believe it is under PT with Angie. Is that correct? That's on Instagram. I probably could change that within five minutes right now and I just haven't done it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a big Instagram user. I need to You're making me twitch, Angie. You're making me twitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business as it stands today, how you got started and also about the town that you are operating in because it is a country town, not a huge population base, which um, of course is a very different situation when you're trying to market a business versus if you're in a big city. Absolutely. Um, So I've been a fitness trainer for about six years now, just over. I did start out as a group fitness coach and as I mentioned, I first started teaching Metafit or go back to before that, I quit my job that I had had for eight years. Ooh, what were you doing there? I was an office manager for a community organization. Um, I had nothing in the works, I just decided to quit. And my mum has a fitness business in town. She's been a fitness trainer for, oh, I don't even know how long, a long, long time, way back in the days of aerobics. So she's got those skill sets. Um, She asked if I want to come and help her out in her business. And I did a Pilates course. I said, why not? I might as well. I might as well start focusing on my health for a while. So I started getting trained up and I came across this uh, MetaFit class, kept seeing it online. I had two young kids at the time and I was finding it really hard to do the amount of exercise that I felt I had to do to become fit, lose weight, um, be a fitness trainer. And MetaFit were talking about training for less than 30 minutes with your body weight only. And I thought that sounds amazing. There's nothing like that in town. I might just pop along and do the course. Um, So I did that and I got a really rude shock about my fitness. I had been teaching Pilates 
um, freestyle step classes, um, running quite a lot, and I was not fit enough for the Metafit class. It smashed me that we did when we went to the course. So I thought, right, I'm going to do this twice a week for, um, I, I got certified in the October. I thought I'm going to do this twice a week up until Christmas, see if it's what it's cut out to be, if I get the results that they're talking about, and then I might, um, you know, uh, offer it out to the community here. So I did do that, and the results were really good just from doing two sessions a week, and so I started putting it out there. Um, oh, that sounds good. Two sessions a week for results, and it's only 30 minutes. Is that right? Mm, yeah, wow. but there is a trade-off in how hard it feels so I didn't get a lot of buy-in at first and then I slowly built a client base and we got a lot of like-minded people that just love training hard without having to compete with anybody else or be in a gym-based setting so um it just grew from there oh fantastic and then I got my own space as well so did you separate from your mum's business at this point Yes, I was still teaching for mum. So mum has a different sort of a market that she services. And um, I was starting to get really busy with uh, teaching my stuff outside to uh, like other groups of people in other towns around the area. Um, and mum had also had some other ladies trained up as well. So I thought at that point, I said, look, mum, I'm struggling to write a really good step class a couple of times a week or a bar class for your clients um, and I think I really need to just focus on my client group um, so that I can um, really focus there so we kind of split off but it's not like competitive because everyone has a different niche as you know. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think that is a really really important reminder because what is the population of your town? Oh, I want to say I'm probably really wrong here. Maybe it's fifteen to twenty thousand, mm-hmm. like the area itself. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a huge population base, but no. even then, there's still the scope for people to have different niches. Um, Absolutely, which I think is really important to highlight. And you talk to a very specific person. I feel like whether or not you've realised that you do it, when you write your captions on social media, I feel like you're calling me out. You're telling me a story. You're ah. making it personal. And I, the reason I got Angie on the podcast today is because. I love her captions. Every time that I need to go in and set up an ad, I'm like, well, I've got heaps to work with here because this is all so amazing in terms of telling a story. So how did you learn to do that? And I mean, what does that typically look like when you sit down to write a caption on social media? Um, I didn't formally learn that. Uh, I think I've always had a bit of a love of reading and a little bit of writing i've read a lot um and i just enjoy the written words so i'm not by no means you know highly educated but um i don't have a process i think that it's it's a bit cliched but the only thing i could think of to answer this question was that I just decided not to care what anyone thinks and write about things how I experience it. So I'm a little bit that way inclined personality-wise already, but it still um, can feel a little bit overwhelming to put yourself out there. Um, And I think it's just a skill. You just practice it. You just write 
from a place of your values and it comes through to the right people. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read out um, one of your latest posts. So it says, I get bored by exercise. And then next sentence is, I'm in a much better mood now. Summer is O-V-E-R. Now we can get stuck into the serious stuff. I'm sorry if you'll continue to buy into short-term fads, challenges, eating, etc., in the pursuit of a finish line, because there isn't one. If you'd like to keep testing that theory, I'm not the coach for you. I have a nasty little habit of being honest about the process. It's not, it's generally not what people want to hear when fitness shopping in summer. Now, can we get on with things? I love it. And I think what you're doing here is you, you're using your captions and your marketing to attract a particular type of person. You've made it very clear in those few lines that you are not after someone who just wants to get a bikini body for summer. It's about sustainable fitness and health and lifelong habits for you. Um, And maybe that's all it comes down to, being really clear in your message, being clear on who your target audience is, and then talking really personally in those captions to get their attention. and I'll just say to people as well, and I'll link to this post just so people can see what I'm talking about in the show notes, but then you've linked to why I no longer sell fitness challenges, a blog, which goes on to explain the process. So again, I think you're educating your potential clients about who you are and what it is you're selling and what the offer is um, in a way that they buy into your brand and your values. Um do you ever get any backlash from any of your posts on social media? I probably behind my back, not in <laughs> person. Um, and I laugh because it really doesn't bother me. And one thing about that post, it just came to me and it comes to me based on, again, an experience. So the first line of that post is a, is something that, Probably more than one person said to me this summer when they came to me asking for help, you know, um, it's quite, it's an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've tried this and that and that, but I, I find that I get bored with exercise. You know, there's some facts that people need to face if they want to uh, reach their goals. And um, unfortunately, they're consuming a lot of social media, which tells them that it's really quick to do that or they're going to get amazing results in a really short amount of time. And it's just not normally the case for the average person unless they completely overhaul their life. And most, in, in, in my opinion, a lot of times that does more harm than good to a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, for their overall health. So this is where I'm coming from. It's a little bit of a, a tough love. And uh, one thing I wanted to say about that post was that I, I do actively, maybe not consciously, again, it's probably a personality thing, but I do, I, I'm okay with repelling people mm. with my posts because um, one thing I've learned about working with people in the last six years and trying to learn about social media and marketing as well is that when you're a service-based business, you can't work with everyone. And if you try to work with the wrong type of clients, it just costs you um, time, money, all your resources and your sanity as well. So that's 100%, you know, that's what leads to burnout. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I have, I listened to your podcast on burnout and I need to share that with a few people too because I could recognise 
um, a lot of symptoms or, you know, uh, the lead up to burnout within myself. And I think I've kind of high-fived the burnout zone quite a few times mm. and sort of I've never gotten to the point of, you know, getting physically ill. Oh, maybe once, but not hospitalisation. Um, <laughs> That's lucky. Yeah, That's good. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And and in most, if I reflect on that, in a lot of cases, it comes back to trying to help everyone or trying to work with everyone. Not everyone gets my message, uh, and that's okay if they don't. So I do, with with some of my content, I do actively try to repel people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a pretty funny story, uh, or a couple of funny stories about my email backlash, though, quite yeah. often. Yeah. Good, because this is what I was about to ask you about as well. So what Angie also does, as well as her social media posts, she does really, really compelling emails. So every time I receive one of her emails in my inbox, I'm sucked in straight away. Again, because she's telling a story and she's I feel like she's talking directly to me, maybe because we share similar values in terms of fitness and health. So tell me about your email marketing. What What's happened in terms of backlash there? Oh, it's evolved. <laughs> Um, It's been a process of learning and a process of practice as well. Um, And that's what I wanted to say about uh, my captions, everything that I do, I've had to learn by trial and error. And I can link that to diet and exercise too. Like if there's one thing I can get people to take away from this, um, it's that you only get better with practice and you have to make mistakes. So my, I look back at some of my old email content and think, holy shit, like, <laughs> what was I thinking? But at the time, it felt like the right thing to say. Um, and I think if I get in the zone and I'm in my flow and I just start writing, it's the same with my um, captions. Um, I just start, I just open up a document and start typing them out. I've learned the hard way a few times before not to type them directly into Facebook because you lose them sometimes. Mm. You'll be typing away. Anyway, I start typing pretty much brainstorming and I do this with my emails. And I wrote one about making excuses and it might have been summer. Um, And you... I I use the... um, What's it called? Like a mail merge, like the... Where you... Oh, so like the, the first, person. yeah, you the can first name, so you can the be like, name into the email. Sonia. So it's like yeah. I'm talking directly to them, and I sometimes do that, but I didn't realize that some people don't realize that I'm not talking directly to them. <laughs> and this email was about making excuses, and this poor lady replied to that marketing email in capitals telling me why she couldn't get fit and she couldn't lose weight and she was maybe upset and all I could do you know I just I did I think I did reply to her in a nice way in the end and say oh oh, that that wasn't just for you that was for everyone um and she did unsubscribe and that's okay uh, but that's kind of an extreme example of a reaction to, uh, you know, some content that I put out there and a really good example of someone who is not for me. Yeah, but I think, I think at the same time it's um, a real testament to the fact that your writing seems really organic and, like, you are talking directly to someone, right? It doesn't feel like a mass-produced email that's going out. Um, yeah. So I would count that as a bit of a win, to be <laughs> honest. You're on the right track. <laughs> Yes, but it's interesting, you know, the emotions that are attached to uh, fitness, diet, uh, making progress, excuses. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm. ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for your marketing at the moment, how often are you posting on Facebook a week and how often are you sending out an email? I would say I've been a little bit slack lately. I don't have a schedule. This is another thing that make, might make your eyelid twitch. <laughs> I don't have strategic plans in place. I, I have tried and it's something that I probably need to practice. I literally come up with things as they present in my work with people throughout the week, comments that people make, um, questions that they ask, and I have not been able to get online and send my emails and do my posts as much as I would like to lately. I also find that I need to be in the mood for it, Mm. and I know that that's the algorithm probably doesn't account for that, (laughs) but... I, if I'm not in the right place when I'm posting, I just find that it doesn't come across the way that I want it to. It doesn't resonate with the right people. It doesn't get a lot of engagement and um, I don't get anything out of it. So I think a big thing for me is that I enjoy putting this content out. I get a lot from it myself and that's not just, I don't care if nobody likes it. I find the process of writing it is really handy for me mm-hmm. yeah and I think maybe that's that's the reason that these posts are coming across are so genuine and they're coming from the heart and they're coming from real experiences as well and that's probably why they're so effective so there's not one way to do social media um, and no. I think you've proven that you don't necessarily need a set strategy or a set schedule to be going out um because your content is resonating at the end of the day. It's probably a a situation where it's quality over quantity for you. Yeah, and it's hard work um, speaking to anyone who has a small business or a service-based business out there. Sometimes it feels like you're putting things out and you don't know if it's moving the needle on your bottom line. Um, It's really hard to tell if it's worth spending your time doing it so I think that you have to enjoy it Mm. and I think if there's anybody listening specifically in the fitness space um, to this podcast just stop consuming other people's content in the industry stop feeling like you have to be like everyone else because that is so boring people have been fed that for years and years and they don't want another overly positive you know you can do it (laughs) person every day because that's not how the reality of getting it done is Mm, yeah a hundred percent and I think that goes for every industry I find myself Mm. sometimes looking at all these other agencies going I should be Mm. doing this and I should be doing that or they said this and they said that I should be teaching my clients this too and I have to stop myself and go no that's not like stay in your lane um I think it's it's good to be inspired by other people in the industry but if you're consuming all of their content all the time, then what happens is there's this little bubble in industries that happens where you're all putting out the same content and having the same opinions on things Absolutely. and no one's individual. And it's very hard when you're looking at that content to then separate what you're putting out to be individual and having your own original thoughts. So I completely agree with that. Um, you often have a low barrier to entry offer happening for your business. Uh, is that effective for your local market? And can you give me an example of times you've done this previously? What does that offer looked like? And how does that sales process work? Is it just a matter of 
getting people to pick up the phone and having a conversation with them first and then working out what's best for them or how does that usually work for you? Okay, I've tried a few (laughs) variations of that over the years and the short answer to that is they have not been effective for me. So we're talking low cost. Is that what you're meaning by low barrier? Yeah, yeah. Um, Low cost, low commitment. So a a good example at the moment is my 30-day online meal prep challenge. Um, I find them really hard to sell. Um, mm-hmm. you logically as a business owner or as a fitness and this this happens so much in the fitness industry in general even with face-to-face offerings is that we feel like we have to um, push the price down to remove that barrier because people some people will give you feedback that they can't afford your services and that's the reason that they can't um, become healthy or reach their goals and so you take that on board and you think oh well I need to you know I need to be able to help people in different ways um from my perspective offering online stuff was also a means to remove the barrier of having to show up to a space for people who may not um, be confident enough to do that they might not have the time to do it so it's basically, I think as fitness trainers, we're naturally um, problem solvers. So putting all kinds of ways to help people out there. And they are not effective for me if we're talking financially with my business. The amount of effort that I put into marketing them, as you know, and, the, um, and putting them together is not returned in what I get from them so far but what I do get from running these like short online courses is I get to hear from different people that I might not come across if I was only um, able to be accessed face-to-face I get to hear about their different problems in regards to diet and exercise and I can take that and um, build that into my programming to be able to help people with what they're really struggling with so I, I get a lot out of it in terms of the conversations that I get a lot of practice talking about a particular topic um, in the past I have done low cost like trials uh, to come and try my classes I also found that really ineffective um, and just I was putting more into it than what I got out of it as a business and people just tended not to stay if they were doing the low cost services so I'm actually finding face to face I'm whittling away and getting rid of low cost face to face options because people don't tend to stick with them and they don't tend to value the service that you're you're trying to give them as well if it's mm-hmm. low cost Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but um, pre-COVID, for me, I was doing a lot of workshops. So these workshops would probably only be about 40 to $50 for two or three yep. hours to teach people how to do social media and ads yeah. and that kind of thing. And what I found was that... Um, while I would have a room full of people, it was very rare that those people sitting in the audience would actually turn into clients. But yep. what I did find is that it got the word out there to businesses that could afford my services in the community. They saw that I was promoting this and it kind of put me out there as the expert and the person to go to, or it would spark that word of mouth with people that did go to the workshop. They'd say to their friend, oh, hey, you're looking for someone to manage your social media 
you know, I just went to this fantastic yeah. workshop. You should reach out to Sonia. So I'm not sure whether you find when you put those um, different offers on, whether or not it doesn't necessarily result in, you know, big sales for those low cost offers, but it's a talking point and something that sparks that word of mouth in the community. And so down the track, you do see a boost in business almost indirectly from it. Would you say that's the case? Um, it's hard to say with myself. Um, what I do get is the practice in public speaking and I love giving workshops on fat loss. I, some, I quite often do a free one mm-hmm. on the basics of fat loss and I just love talking about it. It's great practice for me. And I think that these kind of offer, offerings like workshops or online courses where you're interacting with people is that they get a chance to see what you're like and, and what your values are because I think sometimes if, if some people might, I might come across as a little bit scary um, on social media because I'm, I can be quite blunt and to the point and I think it's not until some people start working with me that, that they realise that I'm actually really passionate, I'm not that scary. Um, so, it, it, or it's even a chance for them to come along, listen and say, no, this doesn't resonate with me or I don't. And I've had that with workshops as well and that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's a great opportunity to um, get a feel for for me from the client's perspective. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, how important do you think it is for business owners who are under high stress to maintain a healthy lifestyle because the narrative used to be this kind of hustle mentality and this image of like this middle-aged overweight CEO um, who just dedicated 24-7 to work. How sustainable do you think that is and what do you think the impact of a healthy diet and lifestyle is on productivity and how much exercise should we be doing if that's our aim as a business owner? Um, I used to work in HR, so this gets me fired up as well. (laughs) Um, It's not sustainable. The levels of chronic health issues that we have, particularly in our community, demonstrate that trading off time in your life where you could be working on your health um, particularly it's not sustainable it leads to ill health and disease Um, I don't know what the answer is from my perspective I try to give a range of options to work with me in person and online that and I try to whittle down fitness to the point where anyone can do it. Uh, anyone can become healthier. Uh, day-to-day lifestyle habits, just making it as simple as possible. Um, at the end of the day, I think people need to start pushing back. I worked in HR in London about, ooh, what year are you in? Uh, 16 years ago. And they were putting flexible work arrangements in place there then. And I know we're operating, we've got different uh, businesses like mining here where you do literally need to turn up to work. But I feel like Australia hasn't quite gotten their head around working, getting people to work for an outcome rather than the literal hours that they sit at their desk. Mm. And it really, or at a piece of machinery, 
it really concerns me the the impacts of this this workplace culture that we've got where you must be literally at your desk all the time available all the time and it's a big it's a big reason that i get for clients cancelling sessions um yeah and not not getting in enough training as well or not eating well yeah reaching for those sort of quick easy options because they think that they don't have the time but then it's this cycle that kind of perpetuates where then you feel crap and tired because you've eaten this massive greasy meal and then you don't feel like you've got the energy to exercise and then your focus at work isn't as good so it takes you longer to get tasks done and then you're working longer hours and it's just this cycle yeah and people can do that with fitness too when you talk about productivity and being efficient people can be really inefficient with fitness and if you see people posting online that they're at the gym for two hours at a time six times a week you know some people can do that but if you've got if you're a busy ceo or whoever who works long hours and you you are consuming that kind of content about fitness online it can lead you to think well i don't have time for that so therefore i can't become fitter and that is not the case mm-hmm. um yeah so i feel like there's a lot of um damaging messages online with regards to fitness we know that um but and 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 the way that it's been delivered as well in that well if you can't commit to these hours and hours of training or you know completely cleaning up your diet and only eating organic then therefore you can't be fit that's not the case at all so that's what i try to work on with my clients on an individual basis because everyone's got different barriers happening and there's always a solution to the problem but you need to be um a little bit solution focused and Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing that i spend my time coaching people on um angie if there was anyone out there listening to this podcast like a business owner who's going hey i need a bit of guidance needing a program tailored for me but i'm not in your town is that something that you offer absolutely i have some of my favorite clients are online i work with them online um and that's a process of um assessing the person assessing their lifestyle and working with them directly every week to put things in place to help them reach their goals so i don't you don't need to be in musclebrook to work with me um not at all but yeah if if people are interested they can get in touch and we'll go from there amazing now where is the best place for them to reach you i'll pop this in the show notes okay so my email is the best place i would say or they can message me via facebook Mm -hmm. perfect all right i will link to both of those in the notes for this show um you are reaching out to angie just let her know that you heard about her on the podcast and she'll know how you've come across her there Angie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I think this conversation took a turn to areas outside of marketing I didn't expect, but I think it is really valuable for people to, especially business owners, to have an understanding of their health and fitness when it comes to productivity and listening to their body and the importance of working with a professional as well for some guidance. Absolutely. There is, there is a way for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be individual for each person. That's right. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Angie. Thank you, Sonia.